Hey, Josh. Yeah? This episode of FGI has a sponsor, CineKitList. Yeah, and if you go to Facebook slash groups slash CineKitList, you get to enjoy a bunch of discounts. Uh, we've actually been a member for a while. I personally love everything that they have to offer. If you go to the Facebook page, Facebook slash groups slash CineKitList, you'll see all the specials they have. Light panels, innovative, Quasar Science, Easy Rig. Yeah, so if you want the same deals that Kevin's getting, then you should go to Facebook slash groups slash CineKitList. Tell them that FGI sent you, and then you'll be able to enjoy all the great discounts on the gear that you use. This is Josh. And this is Kevin. And on this episode of the Filmmaker's Guide to the Industry, we have Brian Douglas, a unit photographer. His resume is really impressive. He's done Marauders, Miles Ahead, Aftermath, just to name a few of the films that we talk about today. But really, I would implore everyone to go to IMDb or check out his website and just see everything and see all the beautiful imagery that Brian has created over the span of his career. Um, Brian, thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolutely, man. Um, so just to start, uh, can you tell people who you are and what it is that you do on a film set? Cause I would say that there's probably not a lot of people out there that know what a unit photographer is. Right. Um, I'm Brian Douglas and I'm based out of Atlanta. I'm originally from Cincinnati, but moved here a couple of years ago, just because the industry, you know, the availability of work here, um, a unit still photographer, there's a lot of things that could fall underneath that, but basically I document everything that happens on the film set, the way mm. I look at it. Um, a lot of my work is used for marketing, for publicity, uh, for could be for the one sheet, could be for the poster, um, could be for props. You know, sometimes we shoot things. I, I, I worked on a television show a few years ago and um, where I just shot crime scene photos for like three mm. months. And it, it was a great gig. All I did was, you know, I can shoot a crime scene now, you know, <laughs> uh, you learn where all the markers go on how everything works. But, um, but that, that was one of the few television things I've done. I, I, for whatever reason, someone asked me recently, they said, do you only do movies? And I'm like, I just don't get called for television for whatever reason. I, I'm, I get a lot more, uh, the movie work, but basically I, I'm always looking for something on the set, whether it's behind the scenes photos, which I think are incredibly important. Um, and then obviously the, what the film looks like as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people have said to me, they said, you know, don't you get bored standing around? Cause people that aren't in the industry and, and you guys understand this, they think that, you know, it's, and sometimes there, you know, there can be slow periods, but they think, Oh, don't you get bored with just standing around? And I'm like, no, cause I'm always looking for something. Now I'm not going to say 100% right. of the time I'm focused on, getting something 99% of the time I'm not off in the camera truck just sitting around I'm looking for um the director interacting with the talent or whatever it's some kind of cool or unique way of telling the story so I just look at myself more as a storyteller and a documentarian of of the whole process and I absolutely love it nice so when you were talking there's something you said there that just kind of piqued my interest when you were talking about doing the crime scene photos were you like on your own unit and you would just kind of go and you know lay out the scene and take photos or were you moving in advance of you know first unit what, what how, how are you kind of doing that yeah i wasn't uh i never shot first unit it was all stuff it was a um a television show that relied a lot on like social media photographs and, and things like that. And the cry and their crime scene headquarters, like where they would put the story together. And so I would have a producer, 
working with me and uh, a PA or two, and we'd have all the props and then the actors. And it was usually actors that weren't filming on that day. But, you know, if they were dead, you know, playing a dead person, we'd lay them out and, and just shoot it. So, yeah, it was a, it was a whole separate unit. And right. they just used those photographs within the story of the show to, you know, to flashback. Or the, or the, you know, the detectives would pick up the photographs or look at them on a screen. Nice. Um, so when you talk about the different things that a unit photographer does, you know, behind the scenes, what, what are kind of, you've kind of lightly touched on it, but what's the difference between behind the scene photography and then some of the photography that we see maybe on the one sheet or the poster or the box cover? Because I don't think a lot of people realize that, like you're posing the talent and, or asking them to hold a, you know, like to hold a position from the last take or something. And you're getting a nice good steal from that moment or something like that. Can you kind of explain what the actual process is for, you know, what it is that you do on set? Okay. So I go in and one of the very first things I want to do is, and there's many layers to all this stuff, but the very first thing I want to do, and I try to go on camera test day, in other words, before they're actually doing lines and all that kind of thing, and introduce myself. And it's a 30-second conversation. It's nothing anyone told me to do, but I just feel comfortable doing it. And just before I start sticking a camera in talent's face, I want them to know that I respect what they do. So basically, I'm like, hey, I'm Brian. I'm your still photographer. If there's ever a problem with eyeline, in other words, you know, distracting them, mm. wave me off and I'm a ghost. And 99% of the time, the actors or the talent have either thanked me or told me horror stories about other still photographers, unfortunately. Right. Right. So I, that's one part of it. And then once I get on set, you know, um, it depends on the film. If it's an indie film, you got a lot of freedom. But, you know, you know what you should and shouldn't be doing, what the, they, their needs are. And, and if you're on a studio film, a lot of times, you know, you'll have a rundown of shots they desire or you're working hand in hand with a publicist and they will, you know, let you know what they need. But I, I am always getting what, you know, my goal is always to nail everything they're asking for. So if it, they want me on axis of a cam, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to get those shots, but I'm also going to take my own look at things as well. So they have some, some, you know, sometimes I've come up with shots that, weren't on a shot list or whatever, and they've used them. I've even had DPs go, ah, I wish I had shot from that angle. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get that angle. Um, so, you know, it's basically going in and capturing everything you see on the screen, but then more for, at least in my way of looking at it. And you know, my mentors have always, you know, I've got some amazing mentors that have always told me, you know, you don't just shoot you know, the straight on kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And as far as like doing uh, setups or, you know, asking them to hold for 30 seconds after a take, you know, mm -hmm. I, I really rather not do that. Sometimes okay. you have to, because as you know, you know, you may be shooting in a tiny bedroom and, and there's two cameras in there and it's an intimate scene, you know, as far as a really heavy drama mm -hmm. and, you know, they want that room to be as sparse as possible then you have to go in if it's something critical and you learn to fight your battles. In other words, there's some shots that you don't need to go in and go, Hey, go to the first AD and go, I really need this shot. You know, if, if it's, you think it's critical or it's something the studio has asked for, then yeah, you ask for it and you say, Hey, they need this. 
And then I never, if I tell them 30 seconds, I never take longer than that. Usually it's 15 or 20. If you mm-hmm. can't get it, you know, I go in and look at the light ahead of time during rehearsal. And then when they tell me to come in, I'm standing right outside the door. I run in, get that shot and get out. But I much prefer the director's take as, as uh, one of my mentors calls it. In other words, the actual live action because the actors are on fire. They're, they're giving their full performance. And when you're doing asking for a setup, a lot of times, you know, it's just not the same as far as the way I look at it, at least. Right. And so for someone that might be less experienced in it, how are you accounting? I mean, what camera setup are you using and how are you accounting for if you're taking stills in the moment? How are you accounting for any type of motion blur or anything like that? Oh, it's all, all about, you know, shutter speed. Well, you know, all the math, the triangle. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, honestly, when I first started I mean, I've been a, I was a Canon shooter all my life, film early when I was young, um, very young. I shot, you know, Canon film and then I went to the DSLRs. And, and then at the beginning, I was using, using like a, a Mark III, Canon, you know, mm-hmm. 5D Mark III and a blimp. And a, for people who don't know what that is, it's like a big box that fits around your camera to deaden the sound. Even on silent mode, the mics are so sensitive on set even if you have it on silent mode, it still makes a t- 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 noise that they would hear on the film. So we used to use blimps. Um, but then as soon as, um, and I use Fuji and Sony. I'm, I'm one of the weird, maybe not weird. It's just, I think they're all tools. And um, once Fuji came out with the X-T1, it was, I was using the 5D3 and the X-T1, but I used that mostly for behind the scenes. I moved up. Anyway, as the technology's gotten better, I'm strictly um, mirrorless now. So there's no, there is no noise at all. You know, it's totally silent. And the Sony has amazing low light capabilities. So, you know, you can shoot high ISO and the shutter speed you need to keep from getting any kind of motion blur or anything like that. And do I take a perfect shot, perfect frame every time? No. Have my, have had my shot of really good ones? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's just about getting in there and doing it. And, you know, every time I step on set, hopefully I get a little better. I'm glad that you mentioned that the cameras are just tools because too many people, um, you know, that I run uh, run into, they, they think that Canon's the way to go. Sony, uh, they, they're just, they're so dead set on the name behind it instead of what it actually can do for you. So Mm -hmm. there may be a situation where, you know, just for this conversation sake, uh, the Mark three is better than the Sony that you have for X, Y, Z reason, but that doesn't mean that it's always the right item. It it very legitimately is a tool. Um, so I'm happy that you kind of dived into that. You, you told me something the other day when we were kind of talking, um, that the, the Miles Davis story, the, um, the closet, um, photograph that you just (laughs) randomly, got and end up being just an, uh, you know, an amazing photo. I, I want to see Thank if you, you can kind of dive into how uh, that image ended up being kind of the poster child of the film, but it was kind of an accident that you got it. Can you? Can well, you- it, it, it was my first studio film. It ended up being released on Sony Pictures Classics, it's called. And it was called Miles Ahead. Don Cheadle's the one that gave me my, uh, my start. And not only is he a brilliant Oscar-nominated actor, he's an even better human being. And um, 
anyway, that the shot that you're probably talking about, I um, went to camera test day because I was going to be shooting some prop photos. In other words, photos that were going to be used in the film. Uh, for those who don't know, the, you know, a lot of the pictures, if you look in a movie, you'll see photos on the wall and they're of the actors like it's their home. But you've taken those photos specifically for the film. Well, I had to shoot some of those pictures. And there are a lot of them throughout the film, either in the house or in the gym or wherever. But um, I also had to shoot a first look photo. And I had no idea that's what it was going to be for. They just told me they wanted this picture of Don. And it was because Don was going to be out in the streets directing. He directed Miles Ahead as well. And they wanted a good shot of him. In other words, they didn't want him not in makeup or whatever. They wanted that out there as the first look from the movie. So I shot in downstairs at the studio we were shooting in, and they gave me a space. And believe me, I'm thankful. I'm not, if I ever complain about my job, I should be punched square in the face because I love everything about it, right? <laughs> but the space I shot in was this tiny little dressing room. And imagine, you know, putting a couple of strobes in there and a backdrop and having to nail this image. And when he walked in, and I'd met him a couple of times before, before we started shooting, you know, a couple of days before that. And he was just, he's such a great guy. And he walked in and he was Miles though. He's like, what's up? You know, and he was total character. And um, but basically he went in and um, we started shooting. And uh, I, I said, you know, do you want to see it? And this is before I knew, like now I shoot tethered. And for those who don't know what that is, there's a computer or a monitor where as you shoot, they can see what you're shooting. But this was, you know, my first gig like that. And so I'm showing, I, you know, after I shot like five of them and on the back of my camera, I'm like, to myself, I'm, I'm extremely happy. You know, I'm liking what I see. And uh, I said, hey, do you want to see a couple of these? And he's like, yeah, you know, like in his Miles voice. And I showed him to him and he got the biggest grin on his face and he came out of it. And honestly, you know how it goes, guys, when you shoot a session or a gallery or a portrait session, you're happy if you nail two or three really, really good ones. There were probably, and it's not because of me, it was hair, makeup, it was a team thing. And Don, knowing every time I hit a strobe, he did a different pose. But there were probably 40 or 50 keepers from that little session. And it basically was in a closet. Um, the other thing about that session is, and now I do a lot more of my color grading, you know, depending on who I'm working with or whatever, even if it's a studio, I will do color grading to try to match the film for the DP because I wanted to match. But at that point, I had no business doing any kind of color grading, you know, cha changing the look of the image. And I just, in between shooting him off and on all that day, I did a color grade on it and I took it like a, like a 70s looking greenish yellow and gave it to them. And then the next time I saw that photo was, it was a full page in Entertainment Weekly with, <laughs> with my color grading. Oh, and, I, nice. and at that point, honestly, my first gig, I had no business doing what I was doing, but I didn't know any better. You know, I just did it, you know, and they had raw files so they could change it if they wanted the way I looked at it. But, um, you know, today I do a lot more of that kind of thing. And for selects, you know, in other words, I'll, I'll give them all the raw files, but then I'll pick out X amount of images a week with color grading that matches the way the film looks, at least what we're shooting on set. Right. I'm sorry if I didn't answer your question. No, totally, you, no you, you actually did because the one of the biggest things I want the the listeners to kind of take from that is you you didn't complain about 
what 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 room you were given. You know, mm-hmm. you you embraced it, you made the most of it, and then you actually took it took it a step further and did a color grade, even though <laughs> you didn't necessarily have to, first of all. But yes, it no. worked out. But if you but if they would have taken the raw files and did their own grade, that would have been fine too. Like you just you were proactive, you did your job, and you enjoyed what you were doing. Absolutely. I, I honestly love, I mean, some days are better than others. When you're standing out in the middle of a, in the pouring rain and it's a nasty day, usually those photos end up making better photos, though, believe it or not. But um, I, I love every second of being on set. And, you know, I don't, I don't think that feeling's ever going to go away. And it, it was a great day. Was, honestly, that was my first studio film and probably is my favorite film I've ever worked on. And I've been really blessed to work on some great movies with some big name talent and have had great times. But that movie from start to finish was just awesome. Nice. You, you kind of mentioned one time before that you've had some great mentors. Um, could you tell a little bit about how you got started into the biz and being a unit photographer and, you know, who some of your mentors were and how they kind of affected, um, you know, where you're at today. Sure. Um, the shortest version of that is I worked for 30 years and uh, my childhood dream was I loved photography. I always had a camera in my hand, but, but I also was just mesmerized by radio. I loved music and I, I loved listening to the radio. And um, so I, I worked in radio for 30 years and had a, an amazing run in Cincinnati at a station called Q102 there and worked for some great people. And, and we were number one for a very, very long time. And it's still a great station. But about, oh, six plus years ago, actually about eight years ago, my youngest went away to college. Um, and I'm just like, you know, I want to do something different. And I just want to try something different. And so I started reaching out to people just to see, because I love movies and I love photography. So I'm like, okay someone has to take these photos and I've admired certain people, you know, whether it's Kirkland or, or whoever their images for many, many years. So I reached out to probably six different still photographers who I just admired their work. This is two years before I even started and just kind of threw it out there in a succinct way. Hey, look, this is a dream of mine. And do you have any words of advice or one piece of advice? And every one of them hit me back and encouraged me to go for it. That's nice. And that's one of the things I can say about still photographers. 99% of the people you're going to talk to want to help you. And it's not like, I mean, anybody reaches out to me, I, I try to share with them anything I can. Heck, I'm learning every time I go out on set 40 plus projects into this. I mean, you, you, hopefully you get better, you know, guys, you, we all do. We hopefully get better every time we do something. And, but they all encourage me to go for it. But um, one in particular, one off the top of my head that has been really, really good to me, and one, and you know his work, is a guy named Jason Boland. He is uh, yeah, from Australia. Yeah, I him on Instagram as well. Oh, yeah. Jason, is, uh, he shot all the Matrix films. He shot all the Bourne films. He just shot Mulan recently, uh, Thor Ragnarok. I mean, he – and I'm going to miss a million of uh, Bond. He shoots – but – he is the most down to earth, um, helpful guy. If I could, if you, you, you point at me and say, give me one person that has helped you. It's been Jason. Um, 
and I've had many others. Wilson Webb's another amazing photographer, still photographer. Um, he he did uh, Baby Driver. I mean, he did Secret Life of Walter Mitty. He's done a million things. And, and there have been a, a handful of times in the last few years I've reached out to me like, is this right? Or, you know, or, or, or am I getting a runaround? And he's also been really, really kind to me. Uh, and there's a bunch of others. But Jason, in particular, one quick story. There are days when you go on set and you nail a shot and you go, okay, I don't care what else I get. Not really, but I don't care what else I get. <laughs> this they're going to use. And you feel really good. And I'm not cocky. I'll never be cocky. I'm confident in what I do. But when you see a good image, you guys know this, right. you know, there's it, a feeling like, um, yeah, you, you just know, feel it a, inside your gut. Yeah. It's an adrenaline rush a, a yeah. bit, you know? Um, but I had a day on a movie and I, it was like three in the morning and I get back to the hotel and I'm downloading images and I just didn't feel good about what I got that day. And I, I'm pretty hard on myself and I, I beat myself up. I'm like, you know, nothing just seemed to click for whatever reason. And uh, so I emailed Jason and cause they're 14 hours ahead of us on the East coast in Australia. And I'm like, dude, I said at this point in your career, and he's been doing this for almost 30 years, I think. Um, do you ever have bad days on set? And I can't repeat to you exactly what he said <laughs> uh, language-wise, but he's like, <laughs> you know, he said, you know, I've, I've had more days on set, bad days on set than you've had warm meals, basically, is what he said. And he said, yeah, you're going to have days where you think, you know, it just you know, like yesterday and the day before you caught these iconic looking images, but you, it didn't feel right that day. He said, but chances are, once you look at the images, you'll see something. And sure enough, you know, um, you know, I, I found plenty from that day, but it's people like that, you know, mentors that not just, just Jason, but others as well, other friends that, you know, can give you that shot in the arm when you're uh, not so much self doubting, but just, you know, having a challenging day, you reach out to them and, and just say, Hey, and, you know, I've been very, very fortunate over the years to have a lot of those type of people in my life. I'm very thankful for it. Nice. So with that in mind, how, what is the biggest barrier entry to doing something like a unit photographer and how does someone go about even if they're like, oh, that's really interesting. How does even someone go about doing that? Do they just need to hit up? you know, indie movies and say, Hey, let me take your, your photos. Like how does someone get into the business, you know, doing photography, if that's what interests them. Right. It, it is a, it is a challenging business, um, you know, to work on a union film or good size union film or a union film, you need to be in local 600, which you guys are aware of. I'm sure it's a, you know, anyone that touches a camera basically is right. in this union called local 600. So you have to work your way into that. And there are various ways you do that, whether it's days on set, and I'm not going to bore you with all that, but to work on union films, you have to get into the union. And that's not the easiest thing in the world. Um, but I would encourage people, um, one, work, 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 shoot, 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 all you can shoot, even if you can't get on a film set or a video, you know, like somebody shooting a music video and you can't get on that, shoot every time you can have some sort of even just bang around camera with you in your car um, or with you at all times and just shoot because time, your time, you're investing in getting better at shooting photographs is key to me. Um, but to get your foot in the door, 
you need to have some sort of portfolio. And I would either approach student films um, or non-union films, uh, music videos, whatever, or just get some friends together and have them do something. It looks dramatic and film it as if you're looking at movie stills, you know, and I, I don't know. I guess that you, the portfolio is a big key, but getting your foot in the door is not the easiest thing, but it's so worth it once you do achieve it. Yeah, because there, there's a local market for unit stills wherever you live uh, in the country. Mm-hmm. There, there's going to be a need for it. And a lot of projects, unfortunately, don't have a stills photographer on set. Um, Josh and I have been on a few projects that, you know, just there wasn't one. And then later they realize they have no marketing collateral. So, right. you know, um, w- what do you say to the projects that you find out later didn't, you know, they had to take stills from camera, which is, you know, people listening might say, well, you can just, you know, if you take a high, high enough res mm. camera, you can just take a still from it. Well, that, that causes a problem. Does it not? Yeah. It, it, personally, well, obviously I'm going to be really biased about this because you know, I love <laughs> what I do and I don't want people doing frame grabs, but you know, it happens even, even the biggest still photographers in, in the world that shoot on massive films, you'll still see some frame grabs, whether it's because they had to do CGI or whatever, or they just, right. for whatever reason, they do it. But I have, if you look at my website, a lot of the key art or posters are from in between takes, hmm. you know, and nothing posed. Like uh, there's an Arnold movie that I did called um, Aftermath. He, it's, it's a movie that, he doesn't smile at all, hardly in this movie, but there was one scene where he's building a fence and he's smiling and talking to his neighbor. But in between scenes, when they were resetting, he walked away and was kind of looking down. Yeah. And I just took a close up of his face and his shoulders and it ended up being the poster. That picture was not taken by any movie camera. In other words, A cam, B cam, C cam did not have that photo. And miles ahead, the poster, the actual poster poster for that film was during a reset. Uh, I, if you look at my website and you look at some of the posters, a lot of those. So those are things that I think cannot be captured. Obviously, the behind the scenes stuff. I mean, you guys shoot, um, you know, um, the, uh, why am I all of a sudden am I blowing this? Um, you know, the um, BTS stuff, you know, um, EPK. EPK. Yes. Yep. Why was I skitzing on that? <laughs> I've worked with you guys. I mean, I've not worked with you in particular, but I've worked with a lot of EPK folks. I mean, right. you can get those kind of photographs, but, uh, or th- that footage, but I just think it's important to have someone on set as, you know, not uh, the smaller budget stuff can't afford to have someone on set every day, but you know, uh, it's at a certain level, it's required staffing that there's someone on set every day. And the big thing for a still photographer, if you're on set every day, you build a relationship with the talent so they trust you. It's another mm-hmm. thing. I want to, I want the talent, the producer, the director to see my work as soon as they can early in the week, uh, that first week, because then I think it buys me a little real estate. In other words, they say, this guy's not a hack. He knows what he's doing. And, you know, they, it's a trust thing. I think it's a big key to, what we do, but yeah, frame grabs are always going to happen, screen grabs, but I, I obviously, again, I'm very biased about it, but I, I think we get things that others can't get, if that makes right. any sense at all. Right. Well, cause you're, you're, you have the ability to always, you know, grab a photo. You're not 
the, otherwise A, B, C cam, they're all waiting for someone to yell roll camera. Right. And unless you're on a Clint Eastwood set and he, you know, is rolling the camera, even when the actors don't know he's rolling it or something, but wow. you know, still there only looking one direction, you know, right. they're looking a pre-planned direction. You have 100% autonomy, mm-hmm. you know, and freedom to look wherever you're, whatever, at whatever your eye catches. Right. So, um, you mentioned being in, being IATSE for, especially for fertile, uh, still photography, let's say maybe someone's done some indie films and done some still photography and they know about Local 600. How does someone go about getting in IATSE and what do they need to be, you know, keeping track of or have in mind in order if they want to eventually get into the 600? They're on the website, and I don't have it right in front of me, but I think if you just Google Local 600, um, there it tells you how to get in the union and what's required and all that kind of thing. It's um, not cheap. I'll tell you that you, to get in the initiation fee, but you know, you do one film and you've recouped all your initiation fee. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you, if you do work on some non-union things, save, you know, something I didn't do early on, save one, save every paycheck. So you can double check it against what you've turned in because there's a lot of little variables in it and things like that, but keep call sheets to prove that you were on set. Uh, make notes of every day you were on set, the hours you were on set, because that comes into play. That's one of the ways you can get in the union. It used to be, I, I'm not sure today, but 99% sure you still have to do X amount of hours on a non-union film is one of the ways you can get in. Um, but it's just about documenting all the hours and the portfolio. Again, that doesn't help with the union, but the uh, portfolio will be key in getting your first gig. And then, you know, it depends on the state too. From what I understand, I could be totally wrong and I am not going to sit here and speak on behalf of the union, but I think there's certain right to work States where if like, I think Alabama is one of those States. I don't know. Florida is one too. All right. So you can work on non, you can work on a union film if they can't find a union person to fill the gig, I think, or something like that. I don't know. I'm I'm not schooled that that, well in that. that. That is correct. Actually. Okay. I wasn't school. I, I, I'm not up on all that because it's not something I deal with at this point, but, um, you know, there's ways of getting on and, but you know, one of the biggest thing is once you're in the union, you do exactly what that contract says because you don't want to do, you know, you want to follow the rules because they're there to protect you and have your back on things. And I'm, you know, a proud member of the union I belong to because they, they really take care of us with benefits. And if there's ever a problem on set, they're the ones that take care of it. You don't have to go up and gripe and complain. They're the ones that go, Hey, you know, he was promised this and he's getting that, or she was promised this and getting that. So I don't know. It, it just document every day you're shooting basically to have proof so that you can present it and go to Google you know, local 600, you know, uh, international cinematographers, the, the camera guild, and it'll come up. So you, you kind of spoke earlier about Miles Davis and the, the aftermath shot. That was really interesting as well. Was there any other projects or moments that you can kind of think back to that was kind of like, wow, I can't believe, you know, got this photo from that, or that was a really rough day. And, but yet we got this image. Oh, uh, there's probably, more than we have time for here. <laughs> you know, it, it's, um, 
I don't know. I, you know, it's a team thing. And for any still photographer to go, oh, look at me, look how great I am. And, and there are some that have earned that right, honestly. But um, I'll, I'll never be that guy. But it's a team thing. You know, you, you've got the gaffer and the DP and, you know, Grip and Electric creating this scene. And, you know, people a lot of times will say to me, you know, like, isn't it, isn't it nice to have someone just light everything for you? And you just go in and click away. No, it's not that easy. You know, right. if, as, as you guys well know, but you know, it's, it's the way they light it. It's the way that talent works with you or doesn't want to work with you. Sometimes you have to get the shot and it's not easy. Um, and then the people that sometimes really amaze me and some films, they take the time to do this. And other times you'll walk away going, why did they not release this photo? Why did they not release that photo? Cause you know, it's all subjective as you guys well know, you right. know, uh, photography or a clip you may shoot on do, shooting EPK, they may go, and you think it's brilliant. They may go, eh, it's not going to make it. But the people that I really, uh, I look at and go, wow, uh, it's, it's the people at the studios or whoever's the producers of the film that take the time really to look at the images, really, you know, to kind of do a deep dive on the images. And then the graphics people, the people that put it together, the marketing people, because some mm -hmm. of the key art they put together from photos that you didn't even think twice about. Right. I mean, I've had a poster or two where I'm like, is that my picture? <laughs> and then I, you know, I look at that day's work and I go in and go, yes, they went in and found a very ordinary photo, one that is was kind of in between things and made it the poster. Is that how the aftermath happened? That, or did you know that ahead of time that that could work? Mm -hmm. Or is that just like afterwards you're like, oh, they pulled, they found that somehow? totally that way. Yeah. It was, it, I had no idea. You know, I just thought it was a good, nice shot of a pensive looking Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I had no idea that it would end up, cause you shoot thousands of images. I don't, I try not to overshoot. Maybe I do sometimes, but, um, I don't know. Look that, look that poster up and, and you'll see that it totally was just, I don't want to call it luck. It's planned luck. You know, I was ready and I was shooting, but right. that was because some person either at, I believe it was Lionsgate or their graphics and design firm or the publicist or whoever um, saw that photo and said, hmm. And it, it ended up being one of my favorite posters. And it was totally something I had no idea when I took that picture. Interesting. Yeah, because they, they threw, um, um, I, I've seen it, they threw uh, two planes over top. It was um, like they're, they're heading for a collision course while yeah. the, the pen, yeah. you know, the, the look that you're, referring to. So it's really interesting how they brought together, you know, two different images clearly with the graphic design elements um, to, to get that poster. Yeah. It, it was a very nice surprise when I saw it. I'm like, oh, wow. They did such a great job. And the movie's about a plane crash of his family. So it played the whole thing. But it was so funny because he doesn't smile in that movie. And he smiles all the time off camera. He's such a nice guy. So easy to work with. I mean, one of the easiest on on the planet to work with but you know there's not a lot of smiling going on in that movie except for that scene that's when i caught him and ended up being a poster nice how many wh what do you think you said something about how many images you shoot uh is it all across the board or do you have like a a set that you're like i'm going to try and get you know 600 images today or some shit do you have you know a goal in mind or do you have like an average for the amount of images that you typically shoot on a day 
It varies. It literally varies every day. It could be because there's a stunt and you're shooting a burst, mm. you know, and you're going to shoot, you'll shoot more that day, or it could just be that you get this amazing uh, angle you think, and the light is just beautiful. And you maybe overshoot that a little bit because it's just such a great opportunity. And there's going to be days where, you know, they're shooting. I, I did a film last year where one of the scenes was in a dressing room of a store. And you're like, okay, how am I going to shoot this? Especially if the talent doesn't want this shot. Mm -hmm. So those days you may end up with fewer images. You know, if there's two or three other scenes that day and, and in that one, you're going to get less. So it varies all the time. Uh, on average, a lot of the, um, again, it depends. But, you know, on average, if you just want a ballpark, I would say, you know, they would like, usually the filmmakers, whether it's uh, indie or studio, would like about 500, you know, mm -hmm. a day. Okay. Uh, but some days you may not get that and other days you're going to have a lot more than that, you know? Right. And do you, when you're on set, do you do a lot of work with camera and grip department for any special needs that you might have? Or is it kind of like once you're on set, you're a one man band and you know, you're kind of handling or doing what you need to do. I, I, you know, I try to make friends with everybody on set and that's, um, just because you never, well, I just like people as well, but you know, you, you want allies on the set. In other words, you don't want to be that person on set. That's a grouch. It's a grump. Now, maybe you're, you're a type of person and you want to get into this and you don't, you don't feel like you're outgoing or, you know, personality is not your strong suit. You can still do it, but I, I'm just saying that, you know, your first AD is going to be your new best friend because he or she is going to be the person that allows you access at times where you can't get. Um, um, you know, I, 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 my own person, in other words, I have my own kit and I have lighting, you know, if I'm doing a gallery, I have, you know, I shoot pro photo and I have strobes and all that and on modifiers, but there are times, absolutely. I'm going to need electric. So hopefully, you know, the, the guys and girls in G and E are, you know, I've never had a problem like that. And usually a 12 pack ends up on the back of the truck <laughs> afterwards as a thank you, because I yeah. just, and I try to get, and I do get along with, I can get along. I honestly, throughout the years, I can off the top of my head, maybe three people, two were directors that you've never heard of and will never hear from again. Um, and another was just a, a great person. I just, you know, you have personality things where you just don't get along, but I'm never going to be that guy causing a scene or talking negative on set. So, you know, usually I end up with a, a ton of, you know how it works. You end up with a bunch of new connections or friends after a show. So right. long winded answer is yes, I am my own one person, but at times I do need help um, with something maybe they throw at me at the last minute that, you know, I didn't know about and I sure. need to accomplish. Sure. With, and, um, with, go, go ahead. Josh, no, go ahead, Kevin. All right. Um, with regards to, you know, the, the images kind of taking one step back, uh, when you're delivering all the raw images, are you just handing them over, you know, folder wise, like day seven, day eight, or are you breaking them up for, for the filmmakers, EPK company? Um, is there, is there a traditional way that you're handing the images over to them? Um, for, you know, like I said, or, organize, organizationally speaking? Well, that changes from who I have my own system, like where I know I can find everything. But when you go to actually deliver, sometimes they have their own constitution of the way they want them numbered and, gotcha. you know, the file name. 
And, you know, sometimes it's continuous, like day one starts with zero, 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 one. And then you just, you know, give them each day the numbers you just can create. But basically I personally, I, on my computer and my hard drives, it's basically, I have a folder for each day that I download to Well, I download to two hard drives in case anything were to happen. Um, and within that, I have a numbering system for that day, but there's just a different folder for each day I'm on set. And that's the way I usually end up delivering them. And then there's also, you know, I, I furnish them some selects, you know, it could be a handful from each day. It could be 20 from each day, just things that I really, that popped for me that I thought made for good images. And you'd be really surprised. And someone told me this a long time ago, might've been uh, a still photographer named Ron Phillips, that you'd be surprised how many times those selects, it makes it easy for them. In other words, if they see a great image, they go, okay, we want this number. We're going to use this. So I try to highlight the ones that I think um, that look good, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, so in regards to selects, what, what kind of, what kind of classifies as a select to you? Yes. Every production day is different. Every movie is different, but you know, do you kind of have like a baseline for, you know, let's, we've referenced miles ahead uh, a bunch of times. Let's, you know, you're on set of miles ahead and you have to deliver X amount of selects at the end of the day. What kind of starts going through your mind as a creative? Honestly, I, I am totally, um, deep uh, lost in what it's sort of like seeing a Broadway play, play out in front of you. It's it, there's, it's, and I'm not a fanboy. I'm a fan of movies. I'm a huge fan of movies, but I think my career in radio kind of got me set for this. I interviewed anybody you can probably name in radio. So I wasn't on set being all starry eyed, you know? So getting there, it's just, I get totally engrossed and, you know, I want to see the rehearsal. I want to see the marking. I want to know where we're going one. So I'm not in the way, you know, of a camera move or something like that. Um, and I just try to capture the essence of that scene, you know, through my eyes, the way I see it or the way the studio says, you know, Hey, we want this, we want this look, or we want that look. Uh, again, like you said, you know, it depends on each picture, but it's, I don't know. I kind of just, you know, uh, Jason Boylan, one of my uh, guy mentioned earlier, my mentor, one of my mentors, you know, he, he doesn't consider himself an artist. He considers himself a storyteller. And I think, you know, I'm, I like taking artistic photos, but basically I'm just there to document everything, but I am not thinking about a lot of anything, but what's happening on that set, whether it's in front of the camera or behind the camera and me capturing it in a, a way that's interesting or in a way that gives a good look to people that aren't privy to be right where I'm at at that time. It's a privilege. I like that. Uh, tell, you know, the, the storytelling aspect of it. I mean, we all classify ourselves as storytellers. If you're, if you mm -hmm. work in this industry, I mean, you kind of have to, let's call it what it mm -hmm. is. Um, I, I mean, Josh, what, what else do you have? Um, that kind of, it, you know, kind of answered my next few questions all in one. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he kind of, he kind of grabbed me too on my last one, um, which was going to be, you know, down the storyteller route. Um, so I think, yeah, dude, Thank you for coming on the, the podcast today. Um, Absolutely. Thanks for Really enjoyed me. it. Um, you know, if you're down, love to have you back on a later date. Talk a Absolutely. little bit more photography, maybe after all this uh, COVID stuff's cleared up and we see, we, we see how we're all going to get back to work. 
Yeah, I'm anxious for that day. You know, it's like I mentioned something on Instagram the other day. I just like, you know, it was a shot and I was standing in a storm, you know, like a sewer drain, this huge tunnel and, you know, up to my knees in water. And I'm like, I would kill to be back on set. I'd really <laughs> miss it. You know, I miss, yeah. I miss doing that. Yeah. So hopefully we all get back to work, you know, soon, but, you know, in a safe way for sure. Right. But hey, oh, thanks, thanks, no, thanks a lot, guys, for asking me. And I and I know I'm long-winded and I ramble. No, you're good. No, you're man. great. I mean, it, you're I perfect. just I just have a great passion for what we do. You know, I love yeah. it, and I consider it a privilege. And I and uh, it was really nice to meet you guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for, well, for those, your passion that, definitely shows through. And um, you know, I think as far as being safe on set, you have to worry about it more than most people. You know, yeah. you're very close to talent. You're very close to the camera crew and everything. So. Well, we're, we're going to be ready. I'm sure, you know, there are people a lot smarter than I working on all that. Plus the one great thing about being a still photographer, we do not have to be within six feet all the time. Um, a lot of times, you know, I think you're going to, when we go back, it's going to be longer lenses. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be quite different, but you know, it'll be a new challenge. I'm always up for it. There you go. Uh, for for those that want to you know follow your work, uh, bdstills.com, they can find you also on Instagram. Um, clarify your Instagram account for me. Yeah, it's for whatever reason someone had my my website, so it's kind of long. It's Brian B R I A N underscore Douglas underscore Stills. So Brian underscore Douglas underscore Stills at Instagram. Yeah, definitely worth the follow. Um, check oh, out his website. You. you know the the unit stills, key art, and music images. Um, you got a lot of great work on there, and people will be able oh, to see some of the um, the uh, the artwork that we're we've been referring to on this uh, episode. Yeah, I really appreciate. It. And if people have a dream, you know, to do this, um, make it your reality. I mean, go for it. Absolutely, go for it. It's uh, it's a gas. There's nothing I'd rather do. Thanks again, Brian. Really awesome. appreciate the time. All and, right, guys. Uh, look forward to talking to you next time. All right. Thanks, guys, and good luck with everything. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, brother. Take care. Right. Have a good one. See you guys. Kevin. Josh. It's the end of the podcast, so what does that mean? It means that if you're listening, we want a follow and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Check us out at fgipodcast.com as well. Yeah, and follow us on the social medias at FGI Podcast. Hopefully you've gotten something out of the episode, so we really appreciate the support by leaving your likes and reviews.